Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm your host, Nika Sherell, and this is the ITCAST Real Talk on Sex. The ITCAST is our community outreach podcast that aims to increase diversity and in conversations on health and sexuality. Through this work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. You can register for the Healing Through Pleasure series now starting May 11th with Cream Reverend Mutima Imani and spiritual guide Asara Sahai. Uh, we have pushed that back into the summer, so please join us. It is a six-week online journey that will allow you to discover the power of your erotic energy and expand your pleasure. So you can get tickets on Eventbrite and learn more at nikasherelles.com. Also, we want to hear from you. Please post, send in your questions, comments to the chat. Uh, you can send them to nikasherelles at gmail.com and we will answer them on the show. Uh, you can support the ITCAST and all the work we do by visiting the itcast.com. Subscribe to this YouTube channel and share with your community. All right, so this week's topic is real talk on self-trust. And today in the booth, we have sex and relationship coach Trish Wright. Trish is a hearted, centered lover of life, a certified sex and relationship coach, master love coach with Love Coach Academy, co-host of the Self Love Show and The Awakening World. She believes that relationships are the greatest wealth we have and will help you cultivate more deeply intimate connection with yourself and others. Primarily focused on dissolving codependent trauma and Codependent and trauma bonds, her work helps repattern old behaviors and thoughts into empowered choices and sovereign embodiment. Beautiful, Trish, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so glad to have you here. It's so good to see you. Good to see you too. It's just a little while, but a lot has happened since then. Right, right. Um, okay, so first, tell us a little bit about why you cho chose to do the show. Hmm. Well, you invited me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but beyond that, I, you know, the way that my work is being received right now is something that's really powerful for not only me, but for the people that are showing up and showing up for themselves. And, and what's what, uh, why I'm, why I'm passionate about this is that, and you know this, but maybe your viewers and your listeners don't know this is that I've been doing a lot of decolonization work for the last two and a half years. And I, you know, the first time I took this course called um, heal thyself the transformative initiation for people racialized as white if you didn't catch that you should go back and listen to it again by bridge feltis and the remember institute <laughs> <laughs> not a mouthful at all <laughs> um I, i've taken it the first time i took it i there was a lot of me or or socialization my socialization in the way and the second time i took it i was like oh my god and i got it on a whole different level and what I'm learning is that there's some radical ways to there's some radical ways to change the system from the inside out. Mm. And that is and so for people who are just listening is that I, you know, I, I was pointing or, or po pointing to my body and my chest and pushing that energy out. So from the inside, from the internal being of self to the external expression of and I think that that's a, a really that's the first place to start. 
So that's why I'm here is to, to talk about self-trust because this is how we change the world and this is how we dissolve white supremacy and this is how we dissolve what patriarchy. This is how we, we move the system. Yes. Oh, oh, I love that. I love that from the inside out. That's so real. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I had the honor of taking one of your courses a couple months ago and oh, it was so yummy. I mean, just the breakthroughs that I went through in that course. Uh, literally, I'm like on the floor, like sobbing <laughs> as I move through this space. So go ahead. I make it through most of the class. I was like, oh gosh. <laughs> so, go ahead. Um, so no, I mean, your work is extremely powerful. It's extremely powerful. And even touching on the deeper aspects of this world that we're acculturated into, um, just like there's white supremacy, there's all these other conversations around colorism and inferiority. And like, it's not just a white people conversation. So really decolonizing our minds and our souls and all these different levels is really hugely important. Um, so go ahead. For just a moment, um, for all of your socialized as white viewers and listeners, this harms you too. Like this is not a this is not a race conversation. Race is created; it's a social social construct. So is gender. Yeah. So is the gender roles that we play into. So is the this the social beauty standard. And these are the these are this is how we continue to perpetuate this this harmful narratives is how we pass it down to our children. I'm here's an example, like maybe for the, the female identifying or the vag havers who are listening, can you identify with this statement? Did your mother or your sister or someone in your life ever tell you to suck it in? Mm. Didn't anyone ever tell you that? Or, you know, for the men to man up or to, you know, not hold, like not share your feelings. Like these are the, these are the places where it harms quote unquote white people. Whiteness is, is created <laughs> to create the dynamic, but it also harms people. So I, I just spent a week in, um, in Costa Rica at a retreat or at a workshop and there's stunning, beautiful, like, very thin Instagram influencer models and, and these people. And they're just, there's a lots of insecurity playing out. I mean, they're beautiful people and they're spiritual and they're shamanic and they're, they're, and yet they part themselves out in the way that they're taught to part themselves out. I'm not thin enough. I'm not, I can't be accepted for who I am for the, my dark, my shadow side. Like they, there's so much disconnect, some, so much disembodiment. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how people like me, like if I'm judging myself, then I'm certainly judging anybody else. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So if I'm judging my weight, that is inherently racist because it, it was created around um, separating ourselves from the the black body. Yeah. The the um, the like Hispanic or or Mexican body. Women's bodies, I don't know if y'all got this, but women's bodies run estrogen and as they go up and down in their estrogen cycles and as they age, things happen and the telomeres shorten and your, you know, the things in your body just start to age. This is just how it works. <laughs> and we get like cellulite right here and then there's some stuff right here and then, you know, like there's stuff. This is oh, yeah. 
passionate about the self-trust because this is where we can start to change how we show up, how we, mm. how we love other people. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, we got a comment. Uh, no kidding. I look like my Jewish 60 year old ancestors. Which is so legit. Like we we turn into like like that's just a part of the process. It's a part of life. So we are becoming the things that we've seen. Um, and I love what you just said about the like the having issues around being fat. Having like that's synonymous with being racist. I'm like I've never, and and I guess I have theoretically put these concepts together where it's like okay yeah black girls are supposed to have big asses and white girls are supposed to be like super thin and like there's a no ass conversation but to really break I know I know like what why would you not want that but it's very inherently very much a race breakdown and that other rising construct um i'm just gonna say this out loud but i honestly feel like white people make the most rules for everybody else all the damn time who gave you the right to chew yeah so so i'm just gonna pull up you know i was um i could because i couldn't be on the show on the awakening world saturday edition i created a a little video a seven minute video of how to like steps to take to to be anti-racist basically and um, would you like to share the video um oh well i'll send it i'll send it a little later but right okay. now i'm just going to share some and you know while i'm while i'm looking for it i'm just going to share why we're talking about this in regards to self-trust is that there are many systems or many um belief systems that maybe aren't yours. Mm. They don't actually belong to you. Like, and, and that's our work to look at. That's our shadow work is to lean in to the discomfort or lean into where you have self-judgment or other judgment and see if that is a real true belief that you have or a real true fear and to lean in and look deeply at the seed or the origin of that inside okay. of you most of the time it's it's something that doesn't belong to you because i know a lot of i know a lot of people and a lot of white people and a lot of spiritual people who are who are loving lovely beings and there some of their things their beliefs that they they move forward with don't exactly resonate with their values right and and there is some incoherency there and they know it's there but they can't seem to figure it out because of course they're not racist well i hate to break it but everybody is inherently racist <laughs> patriarchal capitalist society. I mean, I, I hate to break it to you, but, and, and that's where you start to look at like, oh my God, am I actually living in my values of love and kindness and trust, not only with myself, but with another person or with, and so when I'm saying to look at these places, it's, this is where you start to build self-trust is when you start to actively check yourself and hold yourself accountable for the things that you're thinking about. So here are some 15 characteristics of white supremacy culture. Perfectionism, sense of urgency, defensiveness, quantity over quality, worship of the written word. 
or philosophy. There's only one right way, paternalism, either or thinking, power hoarding, fear of open conflict, hyper individualism. I am the only one. More or progress is better, objectivity. And the one that I want to talk about is the right to comfort. Hmm. So there are places where I, you know, like I have been in the past or, you know, or this is kind of like the idea of Karenism, you know, is like this idea where I have the right to be comfortable Ooh. over someone else's comfort. Ooh. <laughs> but is that, is that really creating self-trust? Is that creating trust within the community? Is that creating self-reliance? Oh, you tell me. <laughs> you know, that's 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 deep. That's deep. I mean, I won't lie. There have been moments where I'm like, we should have an episode called Real Talk on Karen. But that whole conversation of yeah, of putting putting my my needs, making those someone else's responsibility, you know, like putting that over there and not really allowing that like that person have autonomy myself to have agency and really create like, okay, well, what is gonna make me comfortable without creating a situation that makes anyone else uncomfortable, disregarded, unheard um, and disrespected. So yeah, that, that was deep. That was deep. Thank you. Well, it's important. So I think that just, I know that we started off on a whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I want to bring this up because I think it's important, you know, in a, as someone who's studied and someone who's literally an expert at being codependent and who's literally spent the, the time to dissolve it and to look at it and research it and look at attachment theory and have, has dove into this what I'm learning is that, so, so part of it is like, I'm going to go back to this, like pin there. What I'm learning is, is that there's so many seeds and integrations of this, of this, these systems of harm that play out in everybody. So why don't you trust yourself? And, and I invite you just to take a deep breath right now. What places do you not trust yourself? And for anyone who's listening or watching right now, put your hand over your heart. Take a deep breath in. Can you locate it in your body? Can you locate it in a thought process? Where don't you trust? Now I invite you to write that place down <laughs> somewhere on a notebook or type it in or something like do whatever the, whatever it is that you're going to remember it. Photographic memory. And I'm like, Oh, I have no idea how the people do that. Remember. <laughs> and, and when you take it a little bit further down, where did that come from? Is it yours? Was it passed down from your family? Well, who taught them that? And then who taught them that? Mm -hmm. Because as you start digging, a lot of the places where we don't trust ourselves or where I don't trust myself or where I learned that my partners didn't trust themselves in the places that they were taught to abandon their own needs, abandon their, and even ask for what they wanted or needed or lovingly choose. You know, I was in a, a very abusive relationship where I was verbally 
manipulative and abusive in that way and provocative and that he was also very abusive in you know languaging and um lots of disconnect there and physically abusive so there were a lot of places where we were abandoning ourselves and creating this violent situation because we were taught that love was sacrifice mm-hmm. that's not really a self-loving or self-trusting place is it yeah Ooh, love is sacrifice who else has that belief raise your hand i know you're not here but raise your hand. <laughs> i mean it's that's so real that's incredibly real. And one of the things, like I have the experience of that's the culture we've been raised and brought up in. And I love how you just really created that whole world of codependency so profoundly. You know, like abuse and cycles of abuse, it's it's never really one size fits all or all in any per- particular direction someone's fault. Like there are cycles and there are patterns and there are things to look out for. So how does, codependency impact self-trust? Well, good question. I'm just going to be concise with it. Codependency is, for me, in my definition, is the abandonment of self, the the, the abandonment of self for another, to meet another person's needs in order to get your needs met. Mm. You know, it's kind of a, I'm like, oh, if I just do this thing for Nika, that she'll love me, mm-hmm. I'll feel safe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it looks like this, like very, I'm just gonna do this for you sort of thing. But generally, like people, generally people don't do things that don't meet some need. Like, yeah, move from getting their needs, values, and desires met like that's just how human beings do it i'm i'm convinced that as much as um mother Teresa was very you know just epically giving that she got something from it oh yeah i mean she suffered a lot for those things but she got a lot out of it so so it's finding that so when you when when i when i get off of my when i'm when i lie to myself or you nika that's where i distrust get it so i can give you an example um this partner that i was with we were in an, a polyamorous relationship and we were doing terribly at it <laughs> to be really honest we were just really <laughs> really sucking at it and um at some point he he had nre with this person and his interest for me was no longer really it didn't feel like it was there. Maybe it was a projection on my end. Did you say NRE? NRE, new relationship energy. Thank you. So it's like that falling in love, like, ah. Oh. And, and so I was started to really contort to get some of those needs met because I wanted to be special still. And he really wanted to be a relationship anarchist, which is someone who doesn't hold hierarchy. We went into polyamory agreeing upon hierarchy and and which is also a white supremacist system i i understand (laughs) 
Um, and she was really struggling because she was also not polyamorous, but monogamous and really wanted a partner. So there was like lots of competition and lots of contorting and manipulation on both my side and her side. And he was just stuck in the middle, right? So in the sense of like, I started contorting or I started people pleasing, mm-hmm. essentially a, a form of gaslighting, in my opinion, when I start to contort reality contort the truth of what's really alive for me, then I'm gaslighting, I'm manipulating reality for him. Yeah. Things like, he'd be like, are you okay? And I'm like, fucking triggered. Is that, is that, we can get a few of them. (laughs) Um, I'm really triggered at this moment. And I'm totally like, and, and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yes. I mean, he could see where I'm at and he's like, okay, I'm mm. going to what you're saying here, but you don't look okay. And I didn't, yeah. to be honest with him, and I didn't feel safe in my body to even ask for what I wanted. I didn't feel like it was right or true or in a, our agreements. And I was just having multi, like massive PTSD triggers from previous experiences. Anyway, so how do you, how do you trust yourself when you're contorting for someone else's love? Right. Yeah, what I'm really hearing very succinctly is like we do those things in order to get that emotional need met, whether it's love, validation, security, safety, like there's all these different things and our own well-being goes out the window, like whether it's emotional well-being, physical well-being, you name it. And I'm not going to lie, I definitely codependent over here, like 100 percent. I love what you shared in the way that you created gaslighting, because I think that there's a lot of different angles to look at that from. And what you said about like, oh, no, I'm fine. Like, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like that's like the throwing of the eggshells that he now gets to walk on so that he's uncomfortable and you're uncomfortable. And there's this cycle. And then everyone around us is uncomfortable. Right, right. Like, and, and I did, I noticed like, so me in relationships, I've been like, I'll figure it out one day. Eh, I don't know. I did this thing the other day that I was like, that was super manipulative. And it was such a like natural response. Like I was in the middle of having this like bickering squabble and I just, it just fell out. And I was like, oh, oops. And, and the thing I do is like, I'll, I'll say, I love you. And it's to like calm the person down. <laughs> so that's a strategy, right? distraction it's it's a strategy oh yeah it's a strategy 100 percent. and i didn't even see it until then i was like "Ooh, yep mm-hmm, i'm gonna put that one to the side hopefully forever so i'll do that yeah and, and because we live in a codependent society where anybody who has an intersection who lives in an intersection or some aspect of marginalization has learned to attune or contort to be safe and get their needs met. Yeah, appease, yeah. Unfortunately, we're all appeasing someone who, like a a group of people, I'm I'm grouping here, this generalized idea that we've all been brainwashed to believe is true, like all of us, that they are also so disembodied and so harmed by the system as well, they can't even cry. They're so afraid that their, their penis is going to be too small. They're, it's, it's just this, how, and they don't even trust themselves mm-hmm. because they, they can't even be themselves. 
So when I'm talking about self-trust, I'm talking about, I'm going to say radical honesty, and I'm not talking about brutal. There's a difference. And I want to just drop this in for a second. This idea of, I need to be brutally honest. No, that is also still violence. Mm -hmm. And I would and I don't have to be like, all right, well, I'm going to tell you this. And, and I, you know, I, it still comes out of me. Don't get me wrong. It's still a practice. I will always be practicing these things that I spent 35 years, like spoon, being spoon fed, right? But being radically honest, coming from a place of my vulnerability and being like, wow, I, I'm feeling this, the sensation in my body. I need to share this with you. And this is how I'm perceiving it. And this is how it is, lives for me is is a power it's and i don't get me wrong like this has taken me two years to be able to had taken me two years to be able to just be like oh i can share this and feel trusting in myself that it whatever happens whatever happens with nika and i and in our argument because human beings are going to argue that's right. how we get conflict creates intimacy just hold that okay <laughs> <laughs> Um, intimacy for me is vulnerability plus trust is intimacy. And so in our conflict, if I can show up in whatever state that I'm in without shaming, blaming, or being somewhat of like violent or, or aggressive to you and share where I'm at and to be, have enough capacity to hear your whatever it is that your experience of my share or whatever the experience was for you without a judgment or an attack on self, this is where we can build connection to trust. So when I'm honoring myself, my boundaries, even just like understanding my boundaries, that is a place of self-trust. We have to start building new ways to develop our, our intuition, our self-intimacy, our self-listening, to literally re-embody ourselves. Because the society that we have lived in, all of us, the world, is that we've idolized this intellectual property, which is a lot of, like, who, who could afford education? Right. Like, who in history, can we just trace it back, who can who could afford or was allowed to go to school? Right, right. That whole male, wealthy, white construct, and like, and it's it, it's consistent. It continues. Like when you look at the Ivy Leagues, it's like, no, we're not prejudicial. It's like, well, and <laughs> right. Um, we, but we have scholarships. And and we've got that whatever i don't remember what it's called what is it called affirmative action I think right right throw some money at it <laughs> wait a second so so when i'm saying self-trust i'm i'm really talking about re-embodying i'm really talking about listening to what's alive for you to take the time to stop to drop in so you um took a class called cultivating sexual self-trust so I have a, I have a group, a series of sexual, or I have a group of series called cultivating dot, dot, dot. And it's this idea of like learning to become your own, to feel your own center and to learn how to, to be able to move like this without falling off. 
Mm. Codependency and dissolving it has been my work for many years now, not only personally, but with clients. And when I can show up to you in full honesty, fully where I'm at, with love, then we can actually step forward together. And then the trick is, here's the trick, is how we can negotiate reality together. Yeah. With as many needs, your needs and my needs, met as possible without abandoning ourselves. Now, I don't use the word, oh, what's that word that I don't use? No, you don't use it. I know. I don't like it. Hold on. It's going to come to me. When, when you, okay, so I use negotiate. There's another word that kind of looks like that, but it's, you come together and you're trying to, so uh, it. Compromise. 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 Because compromise in my world has always been someone contorts. Yeah. I don't want to contort. I'm, I'm deeply interested in the triple win. Is it good for you? Is it good for me? And is it good for everyone? And that's incredibly important for me to move forward in the world. Because if I'm only thinking about getting my needs met, well, what am I doing? It's all, it's coming from the ego and it's probably not attuned with other people. And I'm, my value system is really, you know, connection, compassion, and to really step forward in a place that I'm taking a stand for equity. I'm taking a stand for building cultivating a new world, which is another class that I teach. And it's the essentials is like how to think about another person while not getting off center, you know? Mm-hmm. And so this is where we start to like move ourselves into a, a new world, into our own bodies, into like honoring ourselves and honoring you, you know, this is, this is the juice. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love that you you brought up the conversation around boundaries. I think that that's something when we talk about self-trust and we talk about self-confidence and all these other like focuses on the self, we don't think about that. Like what, how do we build it? What are the building blocks? How do we create that? And one of the things as I, as I went through my own journey of healing codependency, which of course is by no means done. Um, I really had to come to terms with like how to express my boundaries without like over expressing my boundaries. <laughs> like there is that aspect of like, it's to be able to communicate without being able to destroy or without trying to destroy or break down. I think that's really huge. And then the other thing that came up as you were sharing is like, it is possible to let go of a codependent relationship without letting go of a relationship with that person. Yes. Like that, that aspect of the negotiating, I think it can be, it can be really difficult, you know, coming through that space and being able to learn and to heal that. And it takes, it takes self-awareness and being able to get the other person to relate to you in this new way. It's self-awareness, vulnerability, and you listening to you. Yeah. Um, I just want to come back to the the first thing you shared is that if you want to dissolve or like if you want to dissolve or destroy or remove yourself from an experience this is still 
part of separation mentality. Yeah. Anything I'm not wanting to intimately relate to is still a separation. So if, if you're, you know, a spiritual person and you're looking for oneness, whatever you judge and whatever you 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 other whatever it, whether it's inside of you or another person, this is still participating. This is also part of the the harmful narrative dominant narrative. This is still part of that. So I hate to break it to all of y'all. <laughs> I'm also talking to myself is that to really move through something to integrate it is to love it. And I'm going to give you this. So my definition of love is the radical acceptance of what is. The definition of love for me is the radical acceptance of what is. I don't have to like it. I have to accept it. I have to welcome it in because I can't part it out anymore, right? Because parting it is going to creep it, keep, create it as separate from me. Well, it's happening inside of me. It's me. Right, right. <laughs> that inside out part. Not my anger. It's not like, oh my God, I have anger. <gasps> you know, it's like, oh, I am angry <laughs> sometimes. So it's, the radical acceptance of what is as being love is to love parts, places, and outcasts into belonging. It's the integration of parts to heal and transform the relationship with your body to that of its inherent wholeness and worth. It is to restore it back to your original innocence. Mm. It is to restore your intuition when we love ourselves, not from a place of bragging or arrogance or ego, which is generally from a place of insecurity, right? But when we love ourselves from the place of our wholeness, we find ourselves in more secure relationships with ourselves and with other people due to our better boundaries, how we honor and take care of our own needs and how we are when we, when we honor that place. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I'm going to tell a little story. Sorry. Is this okay? Oh, I just, yeah. I, I just wanted to highlight for everyone out there, intuition, like that little voice inside of you that's telling you something doesn't feel right or something is like, that. this is what we need. If you ignore it, it's only going to get louder. Yes. And my experience is that if you ignore your intuition, it will make your life miserable. Yes. Like, yeah. Okay. Story. <laughs> This is a pretty radical story and and I have some really interesting practices. So what I mean by radical in this sense is for a lot of people, it's pretty edgy what I'm going to say. So trigger warning. Um, I have a practice, um, a deep practice in Gestalt um, experiments of playing with parts of self. So I went into this training very angry. Can you maybe give us a little context of Gestalt? Oh, so Gestalt awareness practice is, I'm going to like, <laughs> I'm sorry for the Gestalt practitioners out there in the world, because I'm probably not going to do it justice. Um, but what I understand it to be is Gestalt awareness practice is to become, a, it, there's practices to become aware of self, inner, inner work. And, and has layers to become aware. It's so there's Zen practices with parts therapy 
mashed into one bin. So I'm in a this and add dance to it. <laughs> so I'm in this like year long facilitator program and I'm just practicing all the time something called aspecting or the open seat or, you know, speaking with parts like it's. And so when I go into this training and I'm just livid, I'm just very livid about how the, the cis hetero white patriarchal belief system has just harmed everyone I know. Like there's not any person that I don't know who has some degree of harm from it, including myself. You know, I participated in it for a long time in the shame of my own body, in the shame of my wants and desires, in the shame of my being a woman. And I just want to shout out too that straight cis hetero white men are also not outside of that conversation of being negatively impacted by the system. Exactly what I'm saying. So I'm sitting here watching, I'm, I'm at this place with gorgeous people. They're Instagram influencers and they're beautiful and they're just like built and like some of the most beautiful people, I'm like some of them are so thin. I'm like, do they even menstruate anymore? You know, I'm like, oh my God, which would be such a harm. Cause if you right. start you if you don't have enough body weight you won't menstruate if you don't have enough fat in on yep. your body so i don't know if anyone else knew that sorry it happens with gymnastics i not not that everyone knows <laughs> exactly because you're supposed like anyway that's a whole other topic so i'm sitting there in the first couple of days and i'm i'm also really just just pissed i'm just pissed in general i'm just pissed because i i'm like god like I'm frustrated with the system. I'm frustrated with, you know, how it impacts the people that I love, their sexualities, their body image, how, who they want to be long, be intimate with. Like, there's just like everything. And so I'm just like sitting there kind of seething a bit. And I'm looking around at these beautiful people who are so insecure. And I'm just like, God. We do this process where we're going to speak to something. And they asked us to pick a person, but I'm not having any conflict with a person right now. So I, you know, because I practice this a lot, I'm already, I can, I can speak to a concept. So I speak to white supremacy, patriarchy, patriarchal white supremacy, whatever you want to call it. I actually speak to the entity that is, and I'm sitting here. So here's the practice. I speak to it and I share what I need to share to it. And then when I feel complete, I go and sit in that seat as them and speak to Trish. And I go back and forth. Mm. So I, I became patriarchal white supremacy and spoke to me. I saw the harm. I saw how, like I've shared the harm. I shared from Trish, I shared all of these experiences. I shared how I see it. I shared how it hurts everyone I know. Like, especially, especially, especially the white male men that I like, like, oh my God, I just want them to be free as well. Cause they're not. Right. And then I got to speak from that place of being the system and how it it's consuming and how it moves and how it's based out of fear, out of control, out right. of safety, out of like, this can go like, you know, and how to like, how it develops into um, consumption. I mean, there were a lot of like, a lot of historical figures in this as well that came up in my process. I was like, wow, this is really interesting. Mm. And then what I got down to, 
which made me mad <laughs> for a hot second. I was like, Fuck. but I got down to was like anything that I like, I can't, I can't in, in, integrate this or I can't shift this unless I deeply love it. Oh, and I was like, Fuck. And I tripped on that for the, the rest of the night and I wrote on it and I was like, I, I can't, I can't integrate or I can't change anything that I other. Right. And, and I developed more compassion in that place. I developed more understanding. I can, I can trust myself in the understanding, in my internal inherent understanding of white supremacy and patriarchy. And I said, I will love you. And I'm also going to take a stand for safety for my brothers and sisters on this planet. I'm going to teach them how to love themselves because that is literally the most radical thing you can do to dissolve the systems of white supremacy and patriarchy and harm and whatever classism is to love the places that you don't because those are generally part of the that's the perpetuation that's your perpetuation right that's a part of the healing journey you know is to allow that to become a part of you and you know you talked about the shadow self earlier and i think about how easy it is to get triggered you know when certain phrases come up it's like that that whole defensiveness conversation it's just really easy to get to be in that space of i don't like this i'm offended so i'm going to avoid and ignore it and that again continues to perpetuate so the space of loving it I've heard that come up a lot, you know, in terms of doing internal work, inner child work, all these different things. And when there's an upset, like really bringing it in, I heard that you, like in your acceptance of it and that love of it, you actually had compassion for the like, the history and the spaces in which it came from and like all the different levels of agony and sadness. I mean, cause it's got a long history. People don't oppress just because they woke up one day and thought this would be a good idea. Like there's a cycle, like we talked about with the cycles of abuse and oppression. Like it's it's all in there on this like grand scale. Um, so I love what you shared there. And I'm wondering for everyone listening, like what, what can we expect on this journey? Like as we go through building self-trust, what are some of the things you've seen um, at the people you work with? What are some things you've experienced? Well, you, me, and my clients, and the people that I've taught classes to. So I, I had a, I have, I also have a class of, um, oh God, repatterning the abandonment wound. So these classes are specifically set up to help a person lean into the discomfort, like give them tools to lean into the discomfort. And as their perspective shifts, that it gives them tools to lean back. So what you'd experience with working with me or with taking one of my classes is not just deeper self-trust, but developed intuition. Um, more clarity around your boundaries 
and how to show up lovingly, how to literally feel when there's a disconnect. You'll feel more strong and stable in your body and how you show up. Your idea of love will shift. Mm. And how you hold container for love and how you hold the your love or the, the person that you're you're with, like what you're committed to them with. Like I used to think that it was this this experience and now I'm I'm just not I'm I'm so committed to my partner being himself that when I see him bending or wanting to do this like contortion thing, I'm like, no, I don't want that. Like, I don't want that at all. I want you to be in your power because you in your power means that I can be in mine. And what I mean by power, it's not the control dominance piece, but really the, the place where I feel a deep resonant authenticity where I'm so deeply intimate and vulnerable and honest with myself that I can show up in that, that depth with everyone that I meet. So those are some of the things that you can get. Deeper connection. More vibrant life. Less resentment. I mean, the list goes on, right? I love it. I love it. There was a part that stood out, you know, tapping back on the codependency of when you expect other people to contort and compromise to your will, that's equally as codependent as yes. compromising to someone else's. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I know, huh? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of discoveries. <laughs> Sometimes, Nika, I'm a, I'm I'm surprised that I even have friends left because I am just this intense all the time. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we get along. So, if you really want to build self trust, and if you really want to look at your racist ways and and work on that, like some practical steps, is to self re self reflect. That's the first thing to look at the ways that you struggle to love yourself. Write them down. Write down the way, the places where you deem yourself unworthy of love. The places that you can tort your body or your beauty or your behavior to fit into a social norm. Whether it's your family life or your, you know, more local community or whether it's socially or societally or globally, like look at those places and write them down. The places where you have been desensitized to the naturalness of your body, your emotions, and the feelings of others. Look at the places where you've been desensitized to people in, in vulnerable states. Write those things down. Because these are the places that we've all been taught to dehumanize ourselves and others uh, from years of social conditioning and colonization. This is the places where we've dehumanized others and create more separation. So if you want to start finding yourself in the oneness or in the wholeness, this is a good place to start to look. Mm. Thank you. That That's yummy. 
like that touches on every single aspect of how you can actually like how we can rebuild self-trust, how I can rebuild self-trust. And it's a process like to see all the different realms and arenas in which it can be broken down. That's a very clear indicator of how much work needs to be done. When I was growing up, it was like, oh yeah, self-esteem, self-confidence. Like we we had these words and it's like, what does that even mean? And every time I looked it up, it was more and more vague. I was like, I don't know how to create this. And hearing like, it's evidently because it's so broad, because yeah. it encompasses so much and doing the deeper inner work takes willingness. It takes so many things to be able to show up and say, I'm going to go through this process. So balls. It definitely is not easy work. Mm-hmm. And and it takes consistent consistency and commitment. Yeah. Every day, every hour. Like it, it no longer becomes like a, oh, I'm just gonna do this practice. You know, it's gonna be like I'm I'm choosing to do this. Um, you know, I so I'm gonna tell you a story, another one. Um short run this time. So I had no idea what self-empathy was. I really didn't understand compassion. And, you know, I was really a a perfectionist. I was really hard on myself. Um, Also parts of like taught me by my mother and the society that I grew up in school and all that other baloney. And, you know, it's it's part of the the whole thing. It's part of the, the machine. Yep. So I didn't understand. I just didn't understand Nika. Like I didn't get it. And I was a coach at this time. I was already there. I had been a massage therapist. I'd been working on my own, you know, traumas, like some pretty heavy craziness and, you know, childhood trauma, like all of it. And I still wasn't getting it. I even got a job at a place called Relationship Hero many years ago, a few years ago, like five or six years ago. And, you know, we were graded on weird things like candor. And I was like, I don't even know what that fucking word means. You know, I was like, I have no idea. And, and, you know, they said to me, they were like, you know, I see you becoming a really good coach and you're just not empathetic enough. Mm. And I just felt like it was something you were born with. And I felt really disempowered by that. I, I got fired from my job because I wasn't compassionate or empathetic enough. And I was like, well, shit, I don't know how to develop that. So I found a company called Love Coach Academy and Scott Katamas taught me something called self-empathy. A, just a few step, just a few step practice that I, I want to take your viewers through. Is that okay? Yeah, please. Two minutes. So I'm going to tell you, it's two minutes max. You could probably run it in a minute. I do it just automatically now because I run it a zillion fucking times a day. So if I can do it, you can do it. If I can get fired from a job for not being empathetic enough, you can do this job. You can do this because I am now empathetic and I choose. You can develop empathy because in a white supremacist society, in a capitalistic, patriarchal society, we're not taught to be empathetic, not only with ourselves, but with other people. So here are the steps. Take a deep breath in. So what I'm going to invite you to do is pick a conflict, whether it's an inner conflict or an external conflict with another person. I'm just going to give you a moment. Don't pick the hottest thing. 
Don't pick the thing that you're going to like call me later and be like, I did this thing on the podcast and now I'm in therapy. I'm like, well, call me up. We'll, we'll walk through it again. Just like pick something like medium. Medium. Okay. I could medium. One, pro- one, one process just for a couple minutes. Hold on. Wait here. <laughs> pick something medium. And there's probably a common running thought, a habitual secular thought. And I invite you to run it, but only run it for like 15 seconds. You know the one? Do you have mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. <laughs> Stop. Take a deep breath in. <laughs> now drop into your chest. And no matter where you are, I invite you to say out loud the next thing. I invite you to say what you're feeling. So this could be emotions or sensations in your body. So you ran the thought for 15 seconds, then you dropped into your chest. That thought probably has a has a, a feeling or an emotion or a sensation attached to it. Name it out. And the importance of naming it out is that you're not only validating your own feelings and sensations, but you're also understanding and learning to acknowledge the connection here. Got it? So fear. Yeah. How does that feel? What What's the sensation in your body? Where can you feel it? Oh yeah. Like it's a little bit of heartburn maybe. And like a little bit of a chest drop. So when you've named your feelings and your sensations, take another deep breath in and let your awareness drop into your solar plexus or into your belly. Now, every every feeling, so every thought, generally has a feeling connected to it of some kind or not you can look there too and you especially an emotional thought anything that you're like a story that you're running like something that's hot right you know what i'm talking about has a feeling attached to it so when you drop into your chest and name your feelings you're validating you're restructuring you getting acknowledged for what's alive for you this is real Mm. real. and then those feelings are are run by a want need or value so something inside of you that you hold dear runs the feeling and creates the thought and vice versa it go it's a up and down cycle here so when you drop when you acknowledge your feeling you drop down into your solar plexus what is it that you want what are you longing for the need that's longing to be met and I know that this one might be hard. And if you want to reach out to me, I'll send you some, some documents that makes it easier. So generally, when people have fear, what's the opposite of fear? Uh, oh, uh, love? Safety. Safety. Oh, interesting. Oh, safety. Yeah, I see that. And, and there's other things involved. Like So there's a list of universal human wants and needs. And I'll send it to you again. What is it that you want, Nika? So you're feeling fear. What does your body, what do you want? What is the value or the want or the need that's desiring to be met? Yeah, well, the thing that popped up was success, which I think sounds a little bit like basic and maybe egotistical, uh, but- Hold on, let's, let's dig into it. What does success mean though? Why, here, let me ask a different question. Why do you want success? 
Because it, it'll, what, what is the need that you're meeting? To make a difference in the world. Like, I, I want to grow community. And so I feel like success comes with actually like having people be empowered and impacted by the work that I do. So like, yeah. <laughs> and there's a part of me that's like, I'm afraid I'm not gonna do it. Anyway, even though I'm doing it, which is a part of that perfectionism, dang it. <laughs> we're, we're all just fucking, ah! Okay, so what I heard in success is you want to be a contribution. I'm gonna type these in for you. You wanna be a contribution and you want to build community. Yeah. So here's the want and the desire, right? I mean, we boiled it right down. I want to be a contribution and I want to build community. And I'm afraid and I'm not gonna do that. Now, when you start to get really honest with yourself in those places, that's how you build self-trust. That's the first step. And then you can be like, oh my God, I'll just, I'll speak to you as from me. Like I'll speak to me as you, if that's okay. okay. <laughs> Mika, I'm, I love you. And I see that you're afraid and I know that you want to be a contribution and I know you want to build community. I mean, those are precious needs, right? It's hard to be like hard on yourself when you see these beautiful, beautiful, like they're beautiful. So here's the next step to that. So you've run the thought, you've come to your chest, you've acknowledged your feelings, which is super powerful in general. You've acknowledged your wants and needs. And I get to, you get to answer this question. Can another person, can the other person, maybe you, you thought of someone else, can the other person, are they capable, in very specific word, are they capable or willing to meet that need for me? Uh, there's no other person. No. So in that case, there's another piece. This is, so I don't, I skip that piece altogether because I'm really into self-sourcing, not individualism, but self-sourcing before I go speak to someone else. So it goes, thoughts, feelings, wants, needs, and even if another person can meet my needs for me, how can I meet my needs for contribution and development of community now within myself? Because who's feeling disconnected or who's feeling the fear? You're feeling the fear, it's, it's happening within you. Yeah, yeah. And so then, then you get to start building strategies, new strategies to get your needs met on an individual and then, so when you're coming to someone, you're like, all right, Nika, I, I've, I'm deeply longing community and contribution, like my own contribution here. I'm really afraid that I'm not gonna make a difference. Is there any way that you can help? I've done all these things. Is there any way that I can do this with you? Is there something that we can collaborate together? Which changes the entire system in you, in me. And then we get to negotiate reality together, which is my favorite part. <laughs> okay, so I should have been taking notes. I captured a few. 
I'm going to watch this again. Uh, and I, I love that. Like, okay, creating it here. It still feels a little scary out there, but it, yeah, like that's, it's part of the process. It's part of the human nature and part of that building self-trust. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I'm just here sharing the things that I've gathered from the years. It's, I want to thank you for choosing to do the work. <laughs> like, I'm not doing any work here. I'm having a good time with my new friend. <laughs> <laughs> Heavy lifting. <laughs> you brave souls doing the inner work to love yourselves. Woo! Um, yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. So I know you have workshops. You've got your podcast, the self-love podcast, and there's another one. Would you like to just give a spiel about the work you do and where people can find you? I know we're going to have your links in the chat. Um, and yeah, where can people get more? This is the hardest part is really like talking about my, my work. Um, okay. Uh, get all the ooze out. And um so i'm currently oh gosh (laughs) um i think the first place that i want to go is the the self-love show the self-love show is a weekly show at 10 a.m on thursday mornings where we have amazing speakers coaches and therapists come on and teach a a short practice of self-love so it's a dynamic conversation and then a short practice of self-love and we wanted to make this free it started at the beginning of covid and you know many of us lost our jobs including me and um i was like gosh there's so many people who are hurting right now and don't i can't afford therapy or can't afford why don't we create something where they can walk with us every week and and gain tools and gain things that resonate with them that's why we have people from all over because some tools won't resonate with you or me and and so it's really it's there that i would i'd love to just send you all to go first is the self-love show it's on facebook we have a youtube channel that's very small we just started it like maybe that's an easy way it's an incredible show i was on it check it out yeah and you can find that in the links um you can find me on Facebook. Um, you can type in, you know, in the bar up top, Trish Wright Loves, and you'll find me there. And that's a lot of where my work is right now. It's um, on Instagram and uh, Facebook, Liberlicious on Instagram. And you can also follow me on my uh, website and look at some of my writings and some of my work that is going to be shifting soon as I'm in a big overhaul of really integrating my sex coaching and my um, codependency and intimacy in relationship coaching all together. And I have some really powerful classes. You know, I have that three part cultivation of a new world series that starts with inner self. And I have, and it, you know, works with interpersonal relationships and works with a, a global perspective. Um, I have the repatterning the abandoned moon class, and there will be a lot of new things like coming up soon, um, as like recorded videos that you can watch as well. So just, I just want to make it easy for you all. <laughs> yes. Oh. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show and bringing your love and your resources. (laughs) Um, Yes, it has been a pleasure having you. 
So uh, everyone out there, thank you so much for joining us today. This is the ITCAST, our community outreach podcast that increases diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Through this work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. Please join us for our event series coming up starting May 11th, uh, Healing Through Pleasure with Queen Reverend Mutima Imani and Spiritual Guide Asara Sahai. The six-week journey online will allow you to discover the power of your erotic energy and expand your pleasure. <laughs> Get tickets uh, at Eventbrite and learn more at nikasharels.com. Also, please post and send in your questions to nikasharels at gmail.com, and we will answer them on the show. Uh, I'll Last, uh, support the ITCAST and learn more about our work at theitcast.com. Subscribe to this YouTube channel and share with your community. Thank you, and we'll see you here next week. Bye. Thank you again. Thank you.